This is Stephanie Nelson, host of the Pivotal People podcast. We have great conversations with all kinds of interesting people who are making a difference in the world. Follow us and leave a review if you like this episode so that more people can find us. Thanks for listening. Well, hello, Robert. Good to see you. Good to see you, Stephanie. How's it going? Oh, it's great. I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast. As you know, and I have to tell everyone, it is called the Pivotal People Podcast because when I sat down to write my book, it was a history of my coupon mom experience, 15 to 20 years. And so many people helped along the way. I mean, so many people. But when I really looked at it, there were only four people who I would call pivotal people. And I define pivotal people as if any one of those four people had not entered the story, then it would not have been the happy story that it was. It would have failed. Yeah. And you are one of those pivotal people. And as I reflected on it, and this is why I was so glad you would come on the podcast, because you're maybe the smartest person I know. I mean, you are (laughs) certainly the hardest working person I know, and you've had incredible success. And that's what we want to talk about today. I met you probably 15 years ago, and you were this nice, smart, hardworking guy. And I can sit across the lunch table from you today, Mm -hmm. and you are no different in terms of being a nice guy, a humble guy, in spite of what has been incredible success. You could write a book about how to be that way for all the people who aren't able to make it through that. But I want people to know about you. So for everyone, here's the story. I had this, what I thought was this great idea. Coupon Mom had a a website, tells people how to get free groceries. I hired a friend of mine who did websites and I went off and promoted the heck out of this thing. And people were amazed. They could get free groceries just using coupons. I was going on TV. I was surprised that people didn't already know about it. (laughs) They loved it. And boy, every time I'd go on TV, they'd come to the website and the little thing would crash. Mm -hmm. And so you've gone to all this trouble to get PR and then the people couldn't even use the website. I won't take you through all the details, but I got an email one day from Robert who heard about my predicament and he said, can I help you? Can I help you? Robert was a full-time developer with a big name company, and he just worked for people like me as a side hustle. And Robert stepped in and fixed all the problems in the perfect timing because it happened to be the beginning of the recession. We had more TV coverage than we could even believe. We couldn't even keep up with it. Had Robert not stepped in, my website never would have worked, and I would never have been able to find a person like Robert. So as you know, Robert, I'm just incredibly grateful to you. But the funny thing about it is this life-changing job that you did for me was just one little minor thing for you. You had so many other amazing things going on. So what I'd like for people to get out of our conversation today, I want people to see that A, you can be a nice person and still be successful. And, you know, B, that you can have a great idea. And even if you're not, you know, I had a whole area that I knew nothing about, but people can step into your story and can help you be successful. And so I am 
quite certain, Robert, you've been a pivotal person for other folks. Now, having said all that, I'm going to let you talk. Could you just start from college? Where'd you go to school? What's your major in? What did you do career-wise? And how did you, you know, come to become a successful entrepreneur? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a great, great intro. So I went to Berry College. It's in Rome, Georgia, small little private school. At the time, I was about 1,600 students. Today, it's a little bit bigger at 2,000. And you majored in computer science with a business minor. You know, in my mind, that was like the perfect combination of like knowing just enough about business and then maybe some technical skills to kind of complement that. Um, I had a business coming out of school that was focused on leisure reading. So paperback books. So it's kind of like a virtual library. Once you're done reading it, you could swap it with other people. We did that until early 2008. And that's around the time that we met. Um, I think it was spring 2008 that we met. And, you know, it was kind of transitioning into what I call a normal job at that point, working 40 hours and then all of a sudden realizing, oh, my gosh, there's all these extra hours in the day that I didn't realize existed before. Um, (laughs) He's such a hard worker. I'd say that's when you watch TV and eat and take naps. But anyway. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I joked with my friends. I'm like, what do you guys do with all your free time? And they just like do TV. And I was never really into TV. So it was kind of like, you know, it is what it is. So I had that, you know, full-time job working in an agency and started doing the consulting stuff for you in evenings and weekends and stuff, which was, you know, it was great because it was like, it kind of still allowed me to kind of like, in some ways have an entrepreneurial itch, like be able to scratch that because the day job was very much like track your hours you're working for this client, you're building this marketing website. Okay. Rinse and repeat. I was only there for about a year, year and a quarter, something like that before it kind of just like became something that I wasn't excited about, but I enjoyed this stuff in the evenings for you. That was, um, you know, each, each time I sat down to do work, it was a different problem I was working on versus the same thing repeating. Because we had so many problems (laughs) and I mean, we had so many problems and Robert, honestly, I just remember over and over again, you just would save the day. You know, we'd have some horrendous thing happen. You know, someone hacked the website. I remember that. And I'd email you or call you and you're on it in maybe less than five minutes. Uh, Probably a bit longer than that. But yes, I, you know, I enjoyed the challenges, right? Um, And they weren't problems. They were opportunities for improvement. They were opportunities. And, you know, what is so neat to me is that I hope you realized at the time what a difference you were making. In retrospect, I mean, I certainly realized all along, but after, I mean, I told Robert the story, but after he left and I hired someone else, Mm -hmm. I realized, I think we worked, you worked with us, Robert, maybe six years. It was quite a while. Um, Maybe maybe five, something. Yes. You know, a decent amount of time. I forget exactly. But yeah. Yeah. And so when. It's easy. This is a lesson for all of us. When you are working with someone who's extremely capable and makes everything look easy, you made everything look easy to me. I didn't understand any of it. You just made it work. Then when you left and we hired someone else, (laughs) nothing ever worked. (laughs) And it was a couple of years. And you know, and it's such an appreciation for you. Thankfully, you were very kind and you sent me a friend of yours and everything has worked ever since. But What fascinates me is that even in that role, you were still an entrepreneur. You were always bringing ideas to us. What if we could do this? Oh, gosh, Robert, I didn't know that could even work. Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. Stephanie, this would make it a lot easier for your users. Mm -hmm. But what is so exciting to me and what I'd love for people to hear is how you started your own business 
first of all, what I think is so cool is how you came up with the idea. Will you share with us how you came up with the idea for Shootproof? Yes. Yeah, so Shootproof is the second business that I started in um, nights and weekends in 2000, uh, summer 2009. At that point, I had a full-time job, was doing your consulting, and I was doing this. You know, you're young and you have lots of energy is really what that says. <laughs> but, you know, fast forward for until fall of 2012, it was still nights and weekends. And that was about the time I think... Yeah, I transitioned out of doing your stuff into doing um, Shipri full-time. So I got married spring of 2009, and my wife Tessa was getting into wedding photography that summer. And I, you know, wedding photographers need galleries to be able to show their photos. Uh, That's one of the kind of tools they need. And I just thought that the options that she was choosing to use were just terrible. And they were I didn't online, think, online galleries. On galleries, yeah. So the, the, um, the premise of the business is if you've been to a wedding um, and seen the photos afterwards, not on Facebook or social media, but just the ability to buy them or see them, it was on a platform like this. So I just kind of joked with Tessa that she wasn't Googling hard enough or well enough. And she's like, well, fine, you do it. So like literally for like nights, for about two weeks, I kind of built this big SWOT analysis of what I saw as all the options out there, which, what parts were good, what parts were bad. And at the end of the day, they all had what, at least one major strike against them, probably multiple. And it was like, oh, somebody should build one of these. And then through a, you know, a relatively short period of time, I ended up being that guy that started it with a friend from college. And we grew that until late 2018 when we sold a, you know, sold the business. So it, it was an awesome journey. One that, you know, every day was different. Every year was different. And, you know, grew that from zero employees to, I think it was around 45 employees when we mm. uh, sold it. So you're very humble. I want to fill people in. I mean, Robert saw a, like a real life problem. He found a solution to a problem and then he built something in his spare time. Robert, I'm assuming you bootstrapped this. Yes, did. Yeah. So you used your time, whatever savings you had and you mm-hmm. built it. He's humble. I don't know the number. I don't need to know the number, but yeah. Robert sold it for a boatload of money mm-hmm. and he's very young. I know you have new things going on, but I also know how generous you are with charities and how much you have helped people. Could you tell us about some of the causes you really care about? Some of the things you've been able to support as a result of being a successful entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, my wife, Tessa, she probably got me into more of this than I probably would have just had I been left to my own um, devices here. But so I got to give her credit. But you know, something that we've realized, you know, she had her own business, wedding photography, and I've had multiple businesses. Like, we're obviously passionate about, you know, having a business or entrepreneurship, I guess, more specifically. So we have found a charity that we do a lot of our work with called One Collective. They're based out of Chicago. Most of the work they do is overseas. They do some stuff domestically, but they help. They go into communities in different areas and they help them start a business and kind of like sometimes it's a coffee shop or sometimes it's, you know, South Africa. They help them start a recycling business or something, whatever the local area seemed could support to kind of have like a safe place. Um, There is a bit of a faith based component to it as well, but it's not like full on in some sense, Bible thumping missionary type thing. Those models tend to turn into, oh, the missionary is always just basically handing out things, right? The whole premise with One Collective is they spend time helping develop the local people to run the business, to make it self-sustaining. So if they need to leave, in some cases, they're in countries that aren't the most stable. So it's like sometimes the, you know, the people from the States need to come home for extended periods of time or may not be able to go back because the government changes or something. So maybe things still, still go on. So we've done a bunch there. I do stuff through Barry and just, you know, 
COVID kind of prevented a lot of opportunities. So we've done some stuff over the last two years here in Atlanta, kids that didn't necessarily get lunches anymore because they weren't going to school, you know, those kind of things. So that's wonderful. And do you mind if I ask you how old you are? I will be 40 at the tw- on the 25th of this month. So I'm getting very close. I don't, you know, it's funny as you said, I was young, I guess, you know, in some sense I am, I don't, I'm kind of on that cusp of not feeling young right now. So it's, um, it's an interesting thing. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'd love to be able to say I'm turning 40. But the neat thing is, is now I was talking to my husband right before this. And I said, I'm talking to Robert and what should I ask him? And my husband said, you've got to ask him, did he do any businesses as a child? You know, as a child, were, were, were your parents the types who encouraged you or were you the ones who came to him and said, hey, I want to do this? What were some of the things you did? My brother and I, I guess, so he's two and a half years younger than me. So we're, you know, close enough in age where we kind of get to do the same things at the same time. So our parents never had a business growing up. My grandparents that we lived near did. And they were both had their own businesses kind of since I was born, effectively. And that, that's where I guess more of the support came from and the encouragement. The first business, it was first, I guess I wouldn't call it real business. First business we had is we cleaned cars and detailed cars, probably late middle school, early high school. Um, we weren't old enough to go to them. So people would come drop off the car or somehow the cars ended up the house and we cleaned them. So we were making pretty decent money as middle school wow. kids. You know, I just had other, other jobs, but that was probably the first time that I, um, actually had a business and then through high school, probably more of a normal type experience with working with somebody for somebody else. But you always worked. Always worked. I, you know, I saved up money to buy my first car. I I appreciate my parents kind of like teaching me what, you know, what it meant to earn things versus like having to like be given things. You know, there was times I would wish, I wish they would give me this, they give me that. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's neat to me, the whole multiplying factor, Mm -hmm. you know, so you worked for an agency, you had multiple clients you were helping, you helped me on the side, you actually changed my world, you know, so like (laughs) your little helping me on the side changed my world. And actually, millions of people used our program. So you could say Mm -hmm. you helped millions of people. Then you did your own thing you know, employed 45 people, all of those people. And then, so as a parent, you know, it's so easy for us to give things to our kids. Mm -hmm. It's, it's much easier and maybe it's painful to watch them try to earn it. But when you see the outcome of, you know what, it's, there's nothing that feels better. I remember as a kid, I saved up my babysitting money to buy my Mm -hmm. first bike. There is nothing that feels better than that first purchase. Yeah. The first purchase I remember doing by saving money was I was turning 13 and I wanted a TV so bad. So I bought, saved up money for my birthday and bought a TV and it was, it felt satisfying. And then like, I got to the house, plugged it in. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of, I mean, I can watch the TV, but it's kind of over. Like there's no more excitement. So um, I would say, you know, probably could have been better about learning how to save at a younger age is probably something that I wish that um, I had a better influence, you know, more outside of influence on. I have a, nephew he'll turn four actually the day after my birthday so we're very close birthdays my brother's son and he he's the only grandchild for like two grandmas right so it's like he's not lacking on anything so you know Tess and I are trying to figure out what we could potentially do for him um is gifts and like he you know toys are just all over the place so what we're starting to do with his birthday is we're going to give him a small little toy or something but we told him to open a brokerage account in his name. It's going to put maybe a hundred bucks in there each, each present or something. Mm-hmm. And 
hopefully, you know, when he's 18, then he can have possession, but also then he can kind of like see the growth of it. And maybe like there's some lessons along the way mm-hmm. that he can learn from it. Just trying to like, you know, be smart with gifts, I guess. So That's right. I bet also teaches the, um, I call it the magic of compounding. Mm-hmm. My father did that with both of our sons and he okay. started literally he, when they were born, he opened accounts. Yeah. And then when they were And he only put, he never put more than $1,000 a year in the accounts. And then when they were in their 20s, they finally got it. And these are six-figure accounts now. I mean, they're, I should, yeah, six-figure accounts. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is, neither son, to my surprise, neither son will touch the account because Mm -hmm. it was from their grandfather. Uh, they have no problem asking me for money, but no, they won't touch yeah. the grandfathers. So it's a great lesson. It's a great lesson in compounding yeah. and a great lesson in showing what hard work does. Um, yeah. And and what I love is, you know, your generosity. And the neat thing is, is I have to look up, you sent me the link to one collective, to be able to help other people experience the satisfaction of starting their own businesses. Right. And it's and some of it's what part of what they bring is the startup funds to be able, I mean, like to be able to actually even have, you know, a coffee maker to start a business. I mean, if it's a coffee shop, those kind of things, um, it's not typically huge startup costs. As an entrepreneur, the good ones figure out how to turn a dollar into a dollar fifty, not necessarily from a profit, but to stretch it to make to buy stuff that's worth a dollar fifty. And that's what, you know, they kind of get the opportunity to kind of do in these different parts of the world. So okay. This is a tough one because we haven't. Um, maybe I haven't given you enough time to think about it. Advice. Advice for people who have what they think is an idea. If someone thought they had an idea and they didn't really have funding or didn't know what to do next, are there websites, are there resources, are there books, are there things that you would suggest people dive into? I know you're working with students at your um, yeah. alma mater, or Barry College, who are in mm-hmm. entrepreneurial programs. But So I'm not a big book guy, so I'm not going to suggest any books. But what I will say is you just need to be dedicated to what you do. You need to kind of, you know, it's not about like racing to the finish line tomorrow. I, I, I'm a big person on like, do your 10 pushups today, do 11 tomorrow, do 12 the day after that. And at the end of the year, you're going to look back and like, oh my gosh, look how far I've come. We're in practicality over the course of a week. It's not that much of a change, but it's the you were talking about compounding. It's all about compounding the small little wins. Be resilient. It's not going to be easy. You know, in I tell friends that are, are you talk about starting businesses or do that, like you can't be scared of failure because that's going to prevent you from starting to begin with. And if you can do it where you're doing it nights and weekends and you keep your paycheck, your normal thing, like the stress level is so much less because 90% of businesses fail in the first year. So, but like in the case of failure, like what does that really mean? Well, hopefully you learned a lot along the way. And, you know, if say you had done it full time, well, guess what? If you fail, you're just going to go get a job like everyone else does. So it's not like you're going to prison or some other crazy thing. It's, it's, it's quite simple. It's just purely like in, in some ways you're more marketable than someone else applying for a job because you have this other experience potentially that could be yeah. applicable to what you're doing. So put your head down and work. And just, you know, reps and sets is kind of what I tell people. So, Oh, I love that. I didn't take notes because I'm going to listen to this again. But you said to be dedicated, to be resilient, not to be afraid of failure mm-hmm. and to work hard. Yeah. It, it seems so simple. Did you have any failed businesses? None that I like seriously tried to start. There was times that I would like throw around with ideas. It's tempting for me being a software developer. It's You always want to go buy the domain name for the business that you think you want to start and kind of start writing code. 
so I've kind of taught myself and I forget who gave me this advice, but like, don't buy the domain name for a week. Make yourself think about something for a week. It's easy to dive in when you're excited in the moment. But a week later, maybe some of the honeymoon idea excitement has worn off and you can have a little bit of clarity. So, you know, it, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon for sure. And um, treat everything like it. But have goals. It's too easy to kind of get stuck in the weeds and not make progress because you think it needs to be perfect. Well, nothing's perfect. And a product that never ships never makes money. So ship a product, whether it's physical <laughs> software. Ship a product. That's good. Okay. So I might not even think of the best questions to ask you, but mm -hmm. I feel like I could just sit here and listen to your advice all day long. So mm -hmm. when you're working with the Barry students and mm -hmm. the entrepreneurship program, what are the kinds of things that you kind of see them doing that you help steer or redirect? I mean, what are some of the coaching that you give them? Yeah. What do you see? It's, to be honest, I see two different, you can put the students in two different buckets. Ones that are just doing it for the project for the class that semester. And like, you can tell that that business is dead as soon as their grade is in. And then there's ones that are trying to make it self-sustaining. They're asking the more thoughtful questions. They're, you know, they're taking, not to say that they're taking notes, but like you can tell they're thinking through things. Um, so my advice to them is just like, ask a lot of people, but understand that you need to know what your business is going. No one's going to tell you where to take it. You're going to hear a lot of people say, oh, that's a great idea. Well, until they're willing to hand you money, it doesn't matter. You know, if you go and ask your mom, it's always going to be a great idea that you're working on. She's never going to break your heart. So your mom is probably not the best person or, you know, or family, right? Like it, they all kind of fit in the bucket, but the mom is definitely the epitome of that. Um, there's literally a book called The Mom Test that teaches you how to ask questions to glean stuff, even if you're asking your mom. Interesting. So it, 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 it's directed more, I think, at the software production market. So, you know, whether it's websites or, you know, apps on the phone or whatever. But it's it really makes you think about what you're asking and doesn't ask leading questions. It's too easy to say, hey, mom, I've been working on this for a long time. What do you think? And she's going to be like, oh, that's awesome. Look at all the work you put into it. It really shows. And, and there's like nobody learned anything there. Right. It's just a bunch of patting on the back. And, you know, sometimes patting on the back is needed. You need some uh, positivity. But like. You need to understand why, oh my gosh, it looks terrible. No one would ever use that. That's what mom really should say, in my opinion, but she's not going to. So, Well, you have a nicer family than I do, because when I announced to my family that I had this brilliant idea of using grocery coupons to get free stuff at the store, hmm. my mom was nice about it, but I had some family members who told me that was just a really bad idea. Hmm. A really bad idea, and they were happy to tell me why. Well, of course, people hate to use coupons. That was it. Yeah. They were afraid that I might actually come up with some logic and rationale that would suggest they should. You talked about funding, mm -hmm. you know, like if someone's not willing to give you money, who cares what their opinion is? I love how you talked about keeping your day job. So you had that financial security. You did it nights and weekends. Mm -hmm. You're not sugarcoating the amount of hours you put in. I, I remember watching Shark yeah. Tank and there were some entrepreneurs with their idea and they were doing the same thing, full-time job nights and weekends. And the shark said, hey, you're going to have to quit your full-time job because you are not committed enough to this idea. Right. You. Um, well, they're so also giving them money too, so they could pay themselves a salary from that money. So that, I think that's the little bit of nuance difference there. When when they're giving you a hundred or $200,000, whatever the sharks are giving you, they're expecting full-time attention. So part of that is okay. the business should be afford to be able to pay you, you know, 
not a great salary, but enough to keep food on the table. If you're married or in a situation where you have someone else that can support you, like a lot of times you can go full-time, right? You have the security of the other paycheck. The other person's not going to understand why you're always busy. I'll tell you right now. So you need to make sure you're in a supportive environment in that sense. Um, I have friends that both of them want to start a business. I'm like one at a time. If not, you'll never see each other. It could be, you know, it, it, it takes, unless you're an experienced entrepreneur, I would not suggest doing two at the same time. Um, Cause the, each one of you needs support and neither one of you have enough time. Good advice. Good advice. My husband yeah. was always like, Hey, knock yourself out. I'm going to go golf, <laughs> which yeah. was good because a lot of times what I've seen, especially with um, women I know who've started businesses is yeah. that the husbands got really interested mm. with their job and got involved then kind of yeah. managed. Yeah. They, and that never goes well. Right. So, thankfully yeah. my husband wanted nothing to do with crushing coupons. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing I would add is have motivations that are just not the business. So like maybe they're almost like interim steps along the way. When I was starting the business and I was still doing your consulting, part of the motivation, it would have been easy to say like, you know what, I'm going to focus on my business. I'm not going to do the consulting stuff because I want some of that time back. Well, those dollars I was making working for you allowed us to pay for our wedding. Like, so, so like you have motivations along the way that kind of like give you, you know, when when you're like not super excited about doing something one day, like you have something to look in North star of sorts. So, yeah. 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 So I have to ask because I hate to keep reminding you, but you're only 40, not even quite. What is next for you? Over the last four years, I have become really interested in cryptocurrencies. Um, it went from just being a somewhat of a hobby I'd read about every couple days a week to I spend 30 something hours a week on reading it and just diving deep. Not as much trading, I, more of a long term hold buyer type person, um, but interested in commercial use cases for cryptocurrency. So, I, you know, how that turns into a business, we'll see. Um, might start doing some investment for people, but um, that's kind of where we're at now is um, just kind of seeing how it goes. I have the luxury of not being in a rush. So I'm getting to be able to kind of hopefully be thoughtful and be opportunistic at the same point. So, And you're brilliant. So, you know, mm-hmm. cryptocurrency, you know, I don't understand any of that, but I'm just so appreciative of people, smart people like you who can run the world for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a little confusing. You're being very well, generous here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I've said, I'm just so thankful that you stepped into my story a long time ago. And I'm also thankful that we're back in touch yes. because now I want to keep tracking with you. And I want to, I said to you, yeah, if you figure out this cryptocurrency thing, I'll throw you a few cents. You can help the Nelsons for <laughs> our groceries. There you go. Um, and I love seeing your beautiful wife, Tessa. I follow her on Instagram now. I love seeing yeah. her ride her horses. And yeah. um, that's a, that's a, Somewhat recent thing, but that's definitely where she's spending a large majority of her time these days at the barn. The dogs don't understand why she's not at the house anymore. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, it sounds like a wonderful life. You absolutely earned it. And um, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. And we'll um, have you on again when you can update us on what happened at the, you know, age of 42. (laughs) If you can accomplish this much by the age of 40, I can't imagine what more you'll do. Awesome. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening today. We hope you're inspired. And if you like the episode, please take a moment to go to your podcast platform and follow us 
and leave a review so more people can find us. Now go out and be the pivotal person that you are.